Today, we're diving into marigolds and pumpkins. You'll hear from Caitlin Mathis of The Marigold Gardens and Eileen Tonkson of Farm Gal Flowers. It's nice having a niche, I'll say, because (laughs) you get to stretch it as far as it can go. And the marigold just happens to be super versatile and you can eat it and you can die with it. I think my niche within the niche is that I grow so many varieties. I do a demo like I just did now, but then I go around and help all the students individually for the latter part of the class. And I think they like that attention and I give them tips one-on-one too. I like to make sure the student feels like that they've accomplished something beautiful. Even the person who feels like they're the least crafty has said to me, you know, I did it, you know. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 634. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 750 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Grow Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. And thank you to Store It Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. Save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the CoolBot and an air conditioner. Don't have time to build your own? They also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. We're releasing today's episode on Wednesday, November 1st, and this means you've probably just wrapped up your Halloween festivities. But as we turn our attention to Harvest Home and the November holidays, the seasonal decorations continue. And of course, with that, orange, gold, and rusty-colored palettes are ever-present on our minds. Today's episode shares plant passions and design ideas that are perfect for this time of year. You'll enjoy the creative session with two seasonal autumn botanicals, Pumpkins and Marigolds, featuring Caitlin Mathis of The Marigold Gardens in Ithaca, New York, and Eileen Tonkson of Farm Gal Flowers based in Orlando. We learn from Eileen, who shares her succulent pumpkin design, and discusses how she has developed her very successful autumn workshops and private classes during the entire fall season. And we gain inspiration from Caitlin as she shares about growing, harvesting, and preserving marigolds for autumn celebrations and beyond. 
If you head over to our show notes for episode 634 at slowflowerspodcast.com, you'll see lots of photos and find two free downloads that our guests provided. Download the Marigold Gardens list of all 66 varieties of marigolds that Caitlin grows and download Eileen's succulent pumpkin worksheet, including a supply list and steps. Let's jump right in and get started. This was a great session and I'm so happy to share with you, our podcast listeners. I always love the intersection of flower farming and floral design and when that comes together, because the, the majority of our members are farmer florists um, who have a design forward approach to flower farming or a farming forward approach to floral design. You can look at it both ways. And so um, we were brainstorming and we, of course, thought of pumpkins and thought of Eileen immediately. Eileen Tongson of Farm Gal Flowers in Orlando who um, has had a lot of her succulent projects go viral. I I hate to I I worry about mentioning the succulent Christmas tree because we're not going to do that in <laughs> December. But but the succulent pumpkins are so popular and so beautiful. So Eileen is going to share uh, a little bit about uh, a design, some ideas. She has a handout. Um, but first, we're going to talk about marigolds, and I am I agree with you, Tonali. My marigolds are like having such a comeback. And I'm delighted to introduce Caitlin Mathis of the Marigold Gardens. Hi, Caitlin. Hello. Thank you so much for saying yes when we asked you to come tell us about your favorite flower. Oh my gosh, so easy. Let's just talk about marigolds. So where where are you? Um, I can't remember. In, you're in New England, but I can't remember what state you're in. Um, I'm in New York, actually. I'm in the Finger Lakes. Okay, wow. And and you call your farm the Marigold Gardens because you sometimes have a little migration from one plot to the next. Yeah, I, I'm still renting here. And so sometimes, you know, we need to uh, put a few seeds somewhere else. And I anticipate that there'll be some changes. So it will stay the Marigold Gardens. Okay, good. That's great. Well, Karen just put up your Instagram account. So <laughs> Um, so yeah, we've got a good crowd in the, in the, in the waiting room now. So folks, if you're, um, you have questions, um, put them in the chat. We'll, we'll figure out, Tonali and I will figure out when to, um, pop in and ask those of Caitlin while she's demonstrating. And we do have a giveaway. We just decided before we started that we're going to ask Caitlin to curate her favorite, uh, collection of marigold seeds from Johnny Seeds and one person will receive those. So, um, we're excited about that. And uh, if you have, it looks like everybody has identified themselves on their uh, participant bio, Nisha, but um, do you want to say anything about that? It looks like if people haven't correctly identified themselves, they may not get listed and, you know, added to the drawing. So that's the only only um, suggestion, but. Right. Yeah. If you can um, just please identify yourself in the participant list by changing your or by adding your business name to your name, or you can even write your business name or Instagram handle within the chat box. Great. That sounds great. Okay. Well, Caitlin and I, I don't know. I think we just became friends because I start you joined Slow Flowers and I started stalking you. And last year, um, for the 2023 Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast, one of our insights was the the amazing power of edible flowers and you had some really fun images that you shared and talked about the flavor profile of marigolds and how chefs come to you for advice and so we were excited to feature that so now let's talk about what you do with marigolds 
as your literally your only crop, right? Right. I mean, it's okay. uh, it's nice having a niche, I'll say, because <laughs> you get to stretch it as far as it can go. And the marigold just happens to be super versatile and you can eat it and you can uh, die with it and um, all the varieties. I think my niche within the niche is that I grow so many varieties. Yeah. Well, let me let me uh, let you go on screen. I'll go off and we'll just turn this over to you for the next part of the morning. Okay. Um, so uh, maybe I'll start. I did uh, bring this giant list of over 60 marigold varieties that I've grown over the last four years. Um, and so we'll share that. We will share that in the chat. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, but at first I thought I would just start with a quick wary gold a crown. <laughs> um, should anyone need a costume this, uh, holiday season? Um, so to make a quick crown with the marigolds, um, I'm starting with like a pretty, uh, I have no idea what the gauge is on this, but a pretty, pretty strong piece of uh, wire. And I had pre-made an audacious version of this um, for autumnal queen crowns. And one of the um, the things that I wanted to show is a couple different kinds of threading techniques that I use. Um, I pretty much, most of my garlands are uh, threaded with a large needle and just cotton thread because I like uh, imagining that they can just be composted. That's great. Um, and they and they do pretty well uh, just on the cotton thread. Sometimes I double it up if it's going to be really heavy. The big um, orange Aztec blooms, those are those can get really heavy. Uh, so you can either go stem to stem to bloom, um, or for this autumn crown, I'm going to do kind of through the side and I'll probably do sets of two and then just push that down and then you can fold leaves up and kind of sandwich them in between. This looks really good on a dog too. <laughs> I love it. Um, But if we want to talk, um, Deborah, do you want to ask me about some yeah. varieties? Yes. I, well, first of all, I, I did try making a, a marigold garland uh, last week inspired by you. I used a long needle like that, and I used bullion wires because that's what I had. Uh -huh. um, and it was kind of bra brass colored, so I figured it would sort of disappear. But I found that um, I wasn't sure when to harvest the flower and whether it was because some of them shattered. So I was wondering what yeah. what your approach is to pre um, preparing the heads. So I tend to, uh, I really like the bonanza varieties because it's very clear the the inner parts are kind of feathery looking. So it's really clear when you can pick it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but when it's this time of season, so I still have fresh marigolds this year. It's the first time it's been so late to have fresh marigolds. Oh, nice. Um, but I do, my plants are tired and glicky. So glicky. what does glicky mean? Glicky is like, um, let's see if I have. <laughs> Other people probably glick. know what that means. Flower farmers probably know what that means. Yeah. It's like, um, just when it's, ex- it looks kind of exhausted. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, not as crisp so, and plump as is at the earlier part of the season. Right. So later in the season, I tend to pick early before they have a chance to get glicky. Got it. Got it. Um, but they they uh dry or they just like don't stay plump as long the mm-hmm. earlier you pick them. Mm-hmm. So so um yeah, why don't you tell us what varieties you are threading on that wire too? Sure. So right now I have um red cherry is really still going strong. That is uh kind of shrub sized or like hip size. Wow. Um, so the stem, it is a French marigold, but the stem is decent. Um, and that is currently looking kind of like this. Oh, pretty. But it has, um, it has a fair amount of variety to it. It'll, it'll, it, it can be blotchy or like yellow and red. Um, the safari and bolero types do that too. When you see, uh, that was one of my goals this year is I wanted to grow a lot of, uh, kind of mutant, blotchy, irregular marigolds. So those are what that variety is. This year I grew my first triploid, which was, um, it was red zenith. And it glows. I really, it's a burpee seed. It is awesome. And it turns orange or gold-ish orange later in the season. But those are great. And these are all on the PDF handout that yeah. Caitlin's prepared. Uh, Karen just put the drive, the drive link in the chat. So everybody needs to grab that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sure. This is, um, sorry, my camera's not too no, no, exciting. It's good. It's good. But, um, this is like a late season. It's interesting so, the marigolds the later the season goes. So a lot of people are talking about strawberry blonde, uh, which is kind of a pink marigold, very special. Yeah. Um, and I really like fireball. Also, I feel like the two of those together. So this is fireball late season. A Turns into a burgundy and right. pretty much uh strawberry blonde does that too. Um, but that's really nice. This I feel like it's a very vampire thing later in October to have these get your goth, get your goth vibe going on, right? Yeah, you need some goth marigolds <laughs> as well. So um, so the 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 thing is, they all go together, right? So if you, whatever you grow, you can design them all onto a yeah. strand, right? Yep. And that's also, you know, uh, it's a fun flex for an artistic eye to have so many varieties, to see how the colors play off of each other. 
This year, I really liked Bonanza B and Bonanza Flame, which is kind of one is red and yellow striped and one is orange and red striped. And that looks so good. Wow. That's so great. Like Why don't you hold that up? Hold that up so we can see how far you've gotten. So. Uh, how and fun. then you would just continue on, right? We can just kind of call it uh, here, <laughs> but like you just continue on and have like a, little, a fascinator. <laughs> yeah. Have a little fascinator. Um, the, the style of going through the ends and kind of um, zigzagging does make the garland last longer, fresh. Like it looks nicer, fresh. And it's my preference when it's dry. It looks. Um, so you're talking about, you're not doing end to end, you're alternating is what you're saying. Right. right? I'm doing, yeah. I'm kind of laying over. Oh. But you had asked about splitting, and there is a technique with larger um, blooms. If those are split, you can just rip it and then thread it. So that the, I don't know, I should probably learn what this bulbous area yeah. on the marigold is called, but you can, thread up, <laughs> you can thread up through that and then smoosh the top down and you will lose a, a little bit of uh, petals, but that's a, a way to kind of hold it in place. That's cool. Um, so all the garlands that you have behind you, these are things that, are they dried? Have you made them previously in the season? Yeah, um, I have. Actually, I wanted to show, like, this is the the bigger, you know, the bigger Aztec blooms, the Taget Erecta. Um, and this is something that I made last weekend. Wow. And it's still, so those those stay robust a week, two weeks, like it takes a, a while for them to dry. I would say the French garlands take, they'll look like this for three or four days and then they'll start to dry. But and they, hold, I, they seem, they seem to hold their color. Okay. They don't get too dark. Right. Right. Um, actually these, uh, when they are deep red, they do dry really, really burgundy. They dry true to color. Um, in fact, the ones that I have behind me, except for this one fresh one, these are from three years ago. Wow. wow. So they're, they do stay colorful and, um, yeah, I mean, all the more yeah. reason to put them on cotton thread because when they finally get too dusty and you're just sick of them, you can just yeah. compost them, right? Or toss them, like a lot of people um, will buy it, enjoy it, and then put it in a dye pot. Oh, let's talk about that. This is yeah. what you recommend to your customers or, or um, florists? This is just people who are getting into botanical dyeing. Um, to, Marigold is also called false saffron because mm. it will dye things yellow or like a, depending on how much irons in your water, it might be greeny yellow. Also beautiful. Yeah. Still beautiful. Um, so yeah, if you have a garland hanging out for a long time, I've had like a friend of mine who I have passed things on that were pretty old. She's used them to dye and the, the pigment is the, I guess maybe tannins. 
I don't, I don't really know, but the pigment yeah. still yeah. comes. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So uh, what is your main marketplace? Is it selling to the consumer? Or I know you sell to chefs and it sounds like maybe fiber artists. Yeah, so that's like the trifecta. The Mostly I'm down uh, at the farmer's market selling garlands or there could be like a few weddings that want garlands, private mm-hmm. orders. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's chefs. Or a really, really good friend of mine is a flavor wizard. And so um, I usually pass a lot of stuff to her. Um, And then, yeah, and then the botanical dyers. Mm, That's amazing. And you are able to have marigolds from like how early in the season to obviously right now. Yeah, they start, I, I, I hope for blooms by the middle of June. That's um, amazing. So you're can, getting several months of crops then. Yeah. I mean, especially up here, like you never know when the frost is going to come. Um, so I think August and September seem to be really like when things just are an avalanche of blooms. It would be nice to be able to, I've been thinking a lot about how can I extend the season and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do that. I think it's great. It's so inspiring just to even hear about the the three channels. Um, I I would love to, there's one question that um, is coming up. I'm going to jump in and share that, toss this to you um, from Misty Vanderweel, who's in um, outside of uh, Anchorage, Alaska. What is your bug pressure, if any, on your on your marigolds? Um, so if it's a dry season, one thing is my garden is really wet. Mm. Um, so I deal a lot with like alternaria and it's always running <laughs> running my life. What is uh, I don't know what that is. Good, is when that it's a hit? nice rainy season and like we have plenty of rain that still it's things are too wet. Okay. Um, but last year was a drought and I had TPB bug so bad. All the foliage looked gorgeous and all the blooms were totally emptied. Hmm. And it's I so just funny because people talk about growing marigolds as like, um, a, a, I know. a way to detract pests from your vegetables or something like that. So they... right. they're like, Oh yeah. It repulses, it repulses all kinds of critters yeah yeah. and like it's kind of a myth I think uh this year I had actual critter pressure very bad like groundhogs and rabbits Mm. um Mm. it was a super sluggy season also Mm. Um, so do you just have to do a lot of hand management yeah I I actually I replanted almost half of what I had originally planted wow that was, I was uh, in July and feeling Bummer. really stressed and like, how many nets can I buy? And we even bought this like kind of snake oil, um, vol repellent, uh, sonic stick. <laughs> it just, it didn't work, but it was like, whatever we could You're do. so desperate. You'll try anything. And, uh, um, how, listen, how much time do you need for the slides? Like five minutes? Oh, not. I was just going to kind of show, um, and yeah, five minutes. Okay. 
Well, um, we have a few questions. Why don't we do those and then we'll jump over to the slides. Um, Tonali, do you want to jump in with the questions? Yes, we do have some questions here. Uh, let me turn on my video. Hi. Um, yeah. So we have Christy wanted to know how far in advance can you make the garlands before you sell them? And are there specific tricks that you use for storing them, you know, keeping them dry? Do you keep them out of sunlight? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So when I make fresh, I can, using the uh, Sue McClary hydration chamber technique, um, I can keep them in the fridge for like a a week or two or more, maybe three weeks, as wow. long as I'm like burping the and like moving the garlands around a little bit so that they don't get glicky uh -huh. in there. Um, when I dry them, they're really, um, it's really just hanging them uh, as they are. I tend to hang them bloom up. Seriously. Uh, so I tend to hang it kind of like this mm -hmm. as opposed to this. Yeah. But really that's about the the extent of my attention to them when they dry. That's great. Um, Sarah, Sarah Joe from Everbloom in Texas, I just has a comment, but I think it's a good one. She said, in Texas, we have lots of Hindu folks who use marigolds for Diwali and Mexican folks who use them for Dia de las Muertas both holidays are in November. Is are you able to take advantage of that market? Obviously in Texas, Sarah Joe probably can, right? Yeah, I I mean, also my birthday is October 28th, and I always want marigolds for my birthday. So um I think I have used uh in years past, I've like stockpiled things in the fridge to try to continue them uh later into the season. Um I feel like that uh quite I have quite a lot of people that buy the dried ones mm -hmm. in that for case. that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, listen, before we show the slides, can you show off your cool outfit? <laughs> oh, sure. So every year I um I make a coverall uh to celebrate the season. Um so this year it starts as a white all cotton coverall. And this year I cut the sleeves and the pant and the legs off and I dyed it orange. And then, um, these are, um, this variety is called Harlequin or Jester. It's great. So I made a little stamp whoop, for wear golds, more wear golds. Um, oh, and the back, and back. The, the back, <laughs> <laughs> the back has a um a moon that you hand painted that I painted and it glows in the dark. <laughs> and then it has um a, a groundhog <laughs> because it was just too cute merciless this year. Yeah. So that's gonna help me remember what the 23 was. So do you, is this is like your billboard? You wear this to the farmer's markets? So people, yeah, yeah. They see you from way down the aisle. Yeah. So now I have four of them and it's amazing how a coverall will fill your closet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Well, there's one more question from Joan Thorndike. She says, I was hoping Miss Marigold would show off her merchandise. I have something she made. So uh, Cheryl, Joan, what are you talking about? Can you take yourself off of mute and and share? 
Also, can I say that Joan is the reason she wrote an article four years ago mm-hmm. about needing people to grow marigolds on the East mm-hmm. Coast? And that's why we are. <laughs> I'm so proud of you and so grateful. Well, <laughs> shortly after we met over that article, um, Caitlin sent me this. Oh, another one of her prints. Yeah, yeah. so that's a screen print. Oh it's my gosh. It's a dish towel. But <laughs> those are big fat marigolds on it. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I just want to say it's exquisite. Oh my uh, goodness. Caitlin, are you still selling these? Um, I have the screen. I just as a matter, maybe in the winter. <laughs> and she told me, I'm going to make, she said, I'm sending you this, but I'm going to make myself a dress. And oh, I, I do wanted to know about your dress. Did you yeah. make it? The dress is for like when I have, you know, very formal marigold events. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I will thank you. Thanks, thank Joan, you. for sharing that. I will say that before we started the the meetup, um, Nisha and I were working on Caitlin to do a marigold garment for American Flowers Week. It's probably too late this season, but we'll get you on board next year. It would be I don't so know, fun. a dried garland outfit would be Yeah. Then you could work well, on it at your sweet in your sweet time. It would be definitely lighter. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, why don't you share your, a few slides and then we'll um, turn our attention to the other orange botanical pumpkins. Um, okay, let's share the screen. Can everybody see this? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, well, I was just going to include some marigold drooly images and then I can talk about about them as they go by so um these are the large Aztec Tagata recta um garlands that last weeks mm-hmm. fresh and then look dynamite dry uh here's some animation Woo! <laughs> um here are a couple pictures of things that are dried Everything's dried in these uh, photos. And that's some beautiful um, botanical silk that I traded for um, from Little Bear. Uh, and the yellow is marigold dyed. Oh, there. cool. Oh, that's wonderful. And yeah, I think the the special qualities of them when they're dried is the variety of like how you're threading it. And the color. Oh, they look like jewelry. They're amazing. They do. They're jewelry. So I do put them on my Christmas tree. This is outside, but and then I made a a I just really love that blue bathroom retro bathroom thing. So I made a tub full of marigold <laughs> blowing out the thing. And then I've sold a couple um just red garlands for Valentine's Day. Ooh, with um, with dried. Yeah, dried, um, which is sweet. And um, here's there's just a bunch of pictures of the various garlands and varieties. Here's the the top of a halter top I made. Oh my gosh, um, fun! And that top, uh, there's like a chrysanthemum kind of style of marigold. So that's the mission yellow one, but also spinning wheels, or like sometimes it's called Simba. And that's, that's the one around, the one around your neck. Uh, that the neck is deep. the one right here. I don't yeah. know if you can see my cursor. Yeah. yeah, we can. Um, 
Yeah. And then uh, the strawberry blonde is the pink you see popping mm-hmm. in here. Um, Very fun. Yeah. This uh, front and center here is um, of my favorite variety or at least maybe mm, a super special variety called Peche's Gold, which is furry, spiky. And um, I looked for about three years to find this seed. At the top, the top center one. Yeah, the top center. Okay. Right here. Yeah, beautiful. It's got and, so much yeah. fringe. And here's some dried, you know, um, dried wreaths that you can make. I really like just because the marigolds can last and last out of water in these garlands, I like making simple green bouquets and then throwing the garland on top of it. <laughs> That's great. Um, here's a bunch of varieties. And while we have you here, just uh, Sarah Joe asked if you could just name one or like your top one or two recommendations for marigolds that dry well. Mm, miracles that dry well. And then we're going to have to wrap up so we can move to okay. Bonanza B, I think, is this stripey, uh, <laughs> this stripey red thing. Mm. That's a really consistent one. That's beautiful. Um, the orange, yellow, yellow is tough to dry. Okay. I often find I'm dissatisfied with them. Um, mm. I do want to say, I think the best white variety of marigold out there is uh, Snowball. It's a burpee seed. And I think that they're playing with white. I know a lot of people are growing white swan. And I think they're playing with that and trying to get that to become less glicky. Mm. Um, But this is Snowball down here. Okay. It's a shorter, it's a shorter marigold. But and if you're if you're just threading it, it doesn't matter how long the stem is, right? Exactly. They all pop off. <laughs> um, and then more garlands, more garlands. Oh my gosh, there. love it! And this is also snowball, a uh, whipped cream and cherry hat. Um, <laughs> we haven't talked about confetti, but marigold makes such great confetti, uh, and. Yeah, so then this is some of my rose and my oh my gosh thing. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank this you. has been so much fun. I know that people that we probably have a few more questions, but people can reach out to you on your Instagram account. And Please, um, I I want nothing else but to talk about miracles. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, hang around because we might have a, f- a little time at the end for a few more questions. And um I'm Thrilled now to welcome Eileen Tonkson from Farm Gal Flowers. And Eileen is um, a longtime Slow Flowers member, and she's we featured her in Where We Bloom, the book, and she's been on the podcast. So glad that you couldn't share your pumpkin knowledge. You you like it's all pumpkin season for you right now. So why don't I come off the screen and, and highlight you and let you um walk us through some of your special designs for these are mainly for your workshops, right? Right, right. Good. Well, thank you so thank you so much for having me today. Um, I this is like our tenth year of doing succulent pumpkins, and um, I didn't go into this, you know, with the intention of becoming the succulent pumpkin queen of Orlando, but 
here we are. <laughs> and um, it has really been a lot of fun. I actually just taught another workshop last night um, at JoJo's Shake Bar. Um, and that was really a lot of fun. So I'm going to do a quick demo. Um, and then um, going to show you some pictures, give you some other ideas. And then I think Deborah might have some questions um, from you all and whatever yep. question she has. I so, also want to, um, I will also want to say that Eileen is a finalist for the best of winter park, best florist and winter park is the community that she's in. So anyone can vote and today's the last day. So I'm going to put the voting link in the chat and we all should just vote for her and say, because she's the best florist we know in winter park and we, <laughs> and you've won in the past, haven't you? I have. I'm trying to keep the streak going. Okay, so good. Thank well, we'll put, you. Thank put you very in. much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for that. All I right. really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yes, and today's the last day to vote. So, um, um, sorry, back to the pumpkins. Um, <laughs> so this, like I was saying earlier, this is a very popular workshop. Um, I, I believe we will have my tip sheet um, in the chat. Um, and there you will find all the items necessary to create this project. Um, we use all locally grown succulents. We have several succulent nurseries here in Central here in Central Florida that I partner with, um, and I obtain. I'm I know I'm very lucky to be able to just go over to the nursery and pick up the succulents and bring them to my workshops. I had a workshop yesterday. I picked these up on Wednesday, so um, these are all locally grown. Now, the first step um, in creating your succulent pumpkin um, is to take some spray adhesive and just um, spray it right on top, very quick. Add some forest moss on top. And my students uh, like to call this the pumpkin's toupee. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, and you know, it doesn't, you just want, you don't want the layer to be too thick. It doesn't matter if some, if it's uneven or there's some wild pieces hanging out. I actually like the wild pieces going everywhere. Um, but you can always, this is a very forgiving project. You yeah. can add more moss, add more succulents, take away moss, take away succulents. I've had students create one and then decide they didn't like it and start all over again. So this, there is no pressure with this project. <laughs> And I think that's one of the reasons that makes it so fun for a workshop. So, um, the, and then I had a very short stem on this pumpkin. Sometimes the uh, stem is longer, like this one, and it is up to you whether or not you want to cut it off or leave it. I think it makes a fun design element. However, if you cut this off and there is a hole in the stem, make sure to plug that um, hole up with some of your glue and some moss because you don't want any water to get into that hole. Um, if it does, this will cause your uh, pumpkin to deteriorate a lot faster. Okay, so um, one of the um, um, one of the items I'd like to point out is is we use cold glue for this project. I've always used cold glue; it does not kill the succulents. Um, that is one of the top questions that I get regarding this project. Um, I like to start with the taller succulents in the middle, like this one, and we just cut them out. I take off any dead leaves, try not to bring um, too much um, dirt into the pumpkin. Um, and this is a taller one, as I, and as I mentioned earlier, I like to start with those in the middle. Now, 
you just, I know it's hard for a lot of people. It was hard for me in the beginning to um, cut the succulents out of the pot. I assure you, <laughs> we are not killing the succulents. Um, the glue does, as I said earlier, the glue does not kill them. Um, I apply, you, you don't need a lot of the cold glue. I applied a little bit. If you have not worked with cold glue before, make sure you don't give it, it is very liquidy. Do not give it a huge squeeze or it will all come out. <laughs> so use a light touch with the cold glue. Your first succulent may not, it may fall over a little bit like this one is. Don't worry about that because you, as you continue to add to your succulent pumpkin, um, the they will hold each other up. Mm. So I would, from, there we go. So um, I would continue to add some of the um, taller succulents. Like this is a very beautiful one. And then just continue to work my way out. And we're going to do a little presto changeo here. <laughs> I, love, I love that you're using the cake platter. What a wonderful way to display it instead of a lazy Susan yes, elevating it. Yes, yes. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, more about that later. So this one, um, I've, cre I've already added um, many succulents in the center. And then from here, what I, we don't want, the key to this is you don't want any empty spot, empty, empty spaces. You want to make sure this looks nice and full of succulents. If you don't, your eye will immediately go to those empty spaces, especially when you photograph this. So I'll often take um, these smaller succulents um, and add them in to the um, empty spaces. So for instance, right here, I'd add one there. By the way, if a succulent doesn't fit, it is very, just you can pluck off some leaves um, and then make it fit into your design. Great. And then I would just continue to fill in all of the um, empty spaces. Are you, trying now, to, are you trying to cover the moss or you, you allow some moss to show through, right? I usually allow some to show yeah. through. But that is entirely up to the student um, whether or not they want to cover up the moss. The moss is there. It does have a purpose because these um, uh, succulents will root into the forest moss. Um, I tell my students they need to water this once a week. You don't overhead water your succulents because if water gets stuck in these little rosettes, they will... Um, cause the succulent to rot and break down. So what I recommend is taking the nozzle of a spray bottle and just spraying the moss in between the succulents. Um, I have, I always have a nurse in one of my classes. Uh, one, one student who was a nurse, she suggested using a syringe that works too. If you have one. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Um, but, um, um, you know, if, if you can use any spray bottle, but if you, you know, here's your reason to buy one of those fancy ones if, um, or, you know, one day I'm going to get to this and I'm actually going to sell these with my workshops. <laughs> right. um, but, um, you know, this is, you know, you know, if you ever want to need an excuse to buy one of these fancy looking ones. Um, now this project is very, we, these are very long lasting. Um, you know, you can use this on your Thanksgiving table. I have students who say that these have lasted them through the spring, like truly have lasted that long. Um, 
of course, at our house, you know, after Thanksgiving, we're rolling into Christmas, <laughs> even the other holiday decor. But what I want, what I'd like to say is that, you know, you can do these in any size. We've done large ones. This is a smaller one. You can do mini pumpkins, um, the mini succulent pumpkins and gourds. I have some gourds up here. Um, these look great as place settings. Um, if you're ever doing a table, a hol- uh, fall tablescape, these um, look amazing and they create a lot of chatter. Um, you can also, before I forget, if you have straw flower, um, you can add, you know, straw flower to your designs and it adds a little bit of um, another pop of color. Um, so this project, um, we can start with the pumpkins in November. You can move into cornucopias, succulent um, cornucopias, um, use the gourds. And then as uh, Deborah kind of hinted to earlier in December, we move into succulent Christmas trees, um, which is probably the culmination of all of our succulent um, succulent <laughs> workshops. <laughs> um, let's see. Did I cover everything? Um, oh, as I mentioned earlier, um, we do, we are not killing these succulents. Um, after I teach um, my students how to create the succulent pumpkins, um, I teach them how to care for the succulents afterwards. Everything from how to pot them, water them, fertilize them, and I'm going to move this for a minute. And then I hope you can see my plant, one of my planters back here. And these are all succulents that were left over. Um, from you know previous succulent workshops. Um, sometimes students don't want to repot their succulents and they leave them on my front porch. And so I <laughs> oh, repot nice. them. They're so easy to repot. So um, as you can see, this one is um, one of my favorites. Just It's very beautiful. This is a couple of years old. So we do not... Um, we, we, we try to repot the succulents and I teach them, you know, how to do that. And I think that's part of the appeal of this workshop is that it's a, it's something that lives on and on and on. It's not just over, you know, after the season. Um, I have see. a few questions. Can I sure, share them? Sure. Okay. Yes. Well, one, one is, um, are your pumpkins grown locally? Like are there vegetable farms that you get them from or, or where do you source your pumpkins? So um, this season, I sourced them from a um, produce, a local produce wholesaler. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these varieties um, don't grow here in Central Florida, but I try to get them from other farmers in the South. Got it. Yeah. And then, how about the the moss? Is that a Florida harvested product, or do, what do you know about that? No, that's. I'm curious about that. Yeah, it's just it's forest moss and. Um, Quite honestly, I get it from our um, floral, um, our local floral wholesaler. There are other types of moss out there, reindeer moss, Spanish moss. Yes, we have lots of Spanish moss here, but I do not recommend going out and grabbing it from your oak trees and putting it on here because they're known to have lots of little critters in them. <laughs> so I, um, the best moss to use for this project that the succulents will root into is forest moss. What I do encourage my students to do is when they take this um, off of their succulent pumpkin and move it into a pot that they bring the moss with them. And it kind of serves as a mulch, you know, in yeah, the pot. It's um, compostable, around right? The, right, around the succulents. So we continue to use it, you know. Oh, that's you know, so cool. Uh, yeah, into it, when we get to that point, yeah. <laughs> and what about your workshops? Can you talk a little bit about what are you charging? And, you know, it, 
do you do private classes or I know like the one you did just at Jojo's Shake Shack sounds like really fun. Was, was there milkshakes involved? <laughs> yes. They're known for these giant wild uh, milkshakes. Like literally there's like on one shake, there's a piece of pumpkin pie and a cookie and marshmallows. There, You can check it. We actually, I think I did a reel from a workshop there a couple of weeks ago, so you can check it out there. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit hard to answer that question because it just kind of all depends. So um, I do my own workshops um, and um, sometimes I partner like with JoJo's approached me to work with them um, for the month of October, teaching um, at their restaurant. Um, and the students, in addition to um, you know the succulent pumpkin workshop, it included um, their meal, which included the shakes. So that mm, was a I little, dif- yeah, that was a little bit different. I do do private workshops. Uh, for instance, someone had a Halloween birthday and wanted to do this with eight of her, eight to ten of her friends, and we did a private workshop um, actually at her home. Um, so it kind of, the pricing kind of depends also on. Um, sometimes students like to bring their own pumpkin. Uh, JoJo's wanted to provide the pumpkins last night, so there it. it it kind of varies. Yeah. I would say on average, um, without the pumpkin, um, I charge 75 and up um, per student mm-hmm. and I think for, a medi- for a medium-sized pumpkin. Again, yeah. you can go up and down if you want to do a quick project, you know, with these smaller gourds and pumpkins. Of course, that's going to be less expensive. I think your point, though, about the takeaway value where the consumer is getting an experience socially and, you know, learning something, but they the message is that they can take these succulents and replant them. Right. It sort of feels like value. Right. I also, in addition to that, um, I like to make, and I think this is part of the reason why this is very successful is um, I like to make sure the student feels like that they've accomplished something beautiful. Um, And, you know, like, even the person who feels like they're the least crafty, like has said to me, you know, I did it, you know? <laughs> so I, um, I do a demo like I just did now, but then I go around and help all the students individually for the latter part of the class. And I think they like that attention and um, um, I give them tips, you know, one-on-one too. So yeah. um, I think that's part of why it's, it's, it's very successful. I love it. Well, do you want to show your slides that you brought? Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Maybe Karen can pop those up. And um, as as we alluded to, and it's in the chat, um, Eileen put kind of a a project sheet together, a PDF that um, that you can grab, and it'll it's sort of it's decorative. It's something you could print out and share with your students, I guess. Um, but it has all of her materials. So this is one of your um, your big pumpkin classes. Yes, I just wanted to show you these are some of the larger ones. And then so this will have anywhere from 30 to 40 succulents on it. Um, so obviously the price you know goes up accordingly. People like to come, um, you know, we don't have much of a fall here in Orlando, but people like to come in their fall outfits or their pumpkin spice t-shirts, you know, things like that. Um, so it's a it is a it's a it's a festive event too. You can move to the next slide. Um, this is one of my um, favorite pictures. I just, you know, I love these heirloom pumpkins because they last um, forever. They just last for a really long time. Um, so uh, that one just happens to be one of my 
favorite pictures yeah. of all the yeah. workshops I I've love, taught through your, the years. Your color sensibility of how you're putting all these succulents together, it makes it feel, you know, it's not just green. Right, right. And then um, this is another favorite photo of mine because this is, I just wanted to point out, this is the pumpkin, succulent pumpkin pose that my... <laughs> That uh, my students hold their pumpkin like that and we'll take a photo. And just, <laughs> it just co- always comes out great <laughs> when they hold it like that. That's so funny. Instead of teaching the bride how to hold the bouquet, you <laughs> yes. the pumpkin designers. <laughs> yes, yes. I know it's funny, but it's, it's just so true. They just look great in that pose. Um, here, I just wanted to point out um, at some of my workshops, I like to st- set up a little photo station and it's very simple. Like usually there's already a table there at the venue. I will cover it with a fall themed um, tablecloth. Sometimes not, it's not even a tablecloth. That is a napkin. (laughs) Um, And then these look great on um, cake stands. Um, And then sometimes, you know, the students will take pictures of their um, succulent pumpkins um, at this little photo station. And then I, you know, of course I'll ask them to tag us if they, you know, if they can. And, you know, these People go crazy over uh, over these on social media. So it's it's a nice, it's just a, a tip of mine. If you can set up a photo station, um, it's a great way to um, market your class. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, next slide. Uh, again, here's a, the photo station. Like I said, just it's just very simple. <laughs> Table with you know a, a napkin and a cake um, whole. A, a cake stand. Um, and then often like, you know, people come to this with their friends or I had mothers and sons come together. I had a husband and wife come together last night and they like to have their photos taken with their finished product. Of course. Um, if I can, I'll team up with a local photographer, do some kind of barter. Um, and, or if it's a new photographer, they might be looking for some content. Um, and they'll come and take photos, you know, of the pumpkins and their students. Um, and um, that's been a neat partnership that I've um, done many times with this workshop. Um, I think there might be one more slide. Okay. This is, um, this was a group that came together um, Often people, like I said, people come in groups to this. So um, they sell out quickly because they'll sign up like six, eight people at a time. (laughs) Um, But this, every time I post this picture, uh, people just sign up because it's, it's a, it's a, it's fun to see like a group, you know, together and have, you know, they had fun and seeing what they accomplished. So I think that might be the last line. (laughs) That's so cute. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, so you, will you do pumpkin, uh, workshop, pumpkin succulent workshops all the way up to Thanksgiving? I mean, this is like six weeks of, of nonstop workshops for you, right? Um, in the beginning I would, but, um, I'd say the last couple of seasons, um, in November, I would, I'll move into like a different project, maybe a cornucopia, um, Mm. or, um, just, just because I've done so many, I, I'm, just, just from a personal standpoint, I've done so many, I get a little pumpkined out at that point, to be honest with you. But this, you know, this is a great project because here our fall planting season starts in September. So we'd obviously don't have as many flowers yet in October. We have some of our over summer dahlias, you know, maybe at that point, but um, this kind of helps fill in the gap a bit. Um, until our fall planted flowers really start to bloom at the end of November and December. Yeah. 
I will say one thing that I've observed about you, um, Eileen, is that you have a real community. And so you have repeat students who, you know, want to yes. just know what you're teaching next. And uh, you you have to constantly feed that, that uh, pipeline of uh, an activity that people will sign up for and come with their friends. That's a big part of your business. Yes. I mean, last night, I think half the class were repeat students. And mm. we're not talking students who've taken this once, who've taken it multiple times. I mean, they one year I asked them because I'm just, you know, kind of curious, you know, like, obviously, they know how to do the project. And they, um, you know, they say, they said, um, they like to, they actually like to, sh- to show up and everything is already there, all the items. <laughs> and that it's, you know, it's, they just want to come in the fall and have fun. Um, so, um, and come out with, you know, a fun, beautiful project. So um, it, you know, people, I thought, you know, people would just come maybe, you know, once, maybe twice, but people, it's become an annual thing for some people. I love so. it. And they, yeah. and they expect it, you know, they're, they're last night I was bombarded with what is the succulent Christmas tree? <laughs> so. Um, wow. That's um, great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just we'll just watch your Instagram feed for that. And um, thank you so much, Eileen. That was wonderful. And thank you, Caitlin, for bringing us marigolds. I just feel like we had an orange love fest today. Um, you both were really unique in your approach to a specific, uh, you know, plant. And I was going to say flower, but I know that the succulents <laughs> are kind of flowers in their own right. Um, any final comments you want to, any final comments you guys want to make before we wrap up? Caitlin? Absolutely. Start planting as many marigolds as you can. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. How about you, Eileen? Um, I just like to say if anyone has any questions, usually uh, people have questions about specifics. I'm happy to answer them and you can reach me on, um, um, you can send me a message through Instagram or I'm farmgalflowers at gmail.com and I'm happy to help. I love it. You guys have been so inspiring and what a wonderful uh, way to go into the weekend and think about some projects. Um, Thank you all for joining us today. We had a great group and we will have a replay video of this that we'll share next week. So um, don't feel like, you know, you missed anything if you didn't take all the notes. Um, We'll also attach the, um, the handouts probably in our next newsletter so people can get that. And uh, November 10th is our next meetup. We're going to go back to the second Friday. Um, I will say, I hope you all noticed that we announced the Slow Flowers Summit 2024 uh, lineup of the venue, the speakers, and the program. Uh, The dates are June 23rd through 25th, 2024 in Banff. Uh, Alberta, Canada. And so we have invited two of our speakers for that um, conference to kind of orient us to traveling to Canada, what to do in Banff, uh, what we need to know, get all your questions answered. And Becky Feesby uh, will be joining us. And um, also Latifa, uh, who's um, the native plant expert who's going to lead a wildflower walk and Latifa Pelletier Ahmed. She's going to talk about um, native plants in um, Canada. So it's going to be a really great session. And uh, I hope to see you all there on November 10th. Thanks so much, everybody.
Thanks so much for joining us today. And as I mentioned, you'll want to visit slowflowerspodcast.com to see our show notes and watch the replay video of Caitlin and Eileen's design demonstrations. You'll learn how to make a marigold and a fall foliage flower crown, which Caitlin calls a wearagold, and also watch how she strings fresh marigold garlands and discusses how to dry them. And you'll see Eileen's step-by-step designs for decorating pumpkins and gourds with a rainbow of local Florida-grown succulents. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. In news of the week, it's time. We've opened up ticket sales today, November 1st, for the 2024 Slow Flower Summit. And that's for early bird registration. You can save $100 off your Slow Flower Summit registration now through December 31st. We actually opened up registration one month earlier this year, just to kind of remind everyone that our summit is going to Canada, and you might need to plan ahead to get your passports taken care of. General registration is $799 U.S. right now. It goes up to $899 on January 1st. And Slow Flowers members' registration is $699 U.S. right now, and that increases to $799 U.S. January 1st. Follow the link in today's show notes or head over to slowflowerssummit.com and find all of the details about our dates, June 23rd through 25th, 2024, and the venue, the beautiful Banff Center for the Arts in Banff, Alberta, Canada, surrounded by the Canadian Rockies. And you'll read all about our speakers and program. We have 11 inspiring speakers, an extensive hands-on design immersion, and presentations on flower farming, floral design, floral entrepreneurship, and sustainability. I can't wait to see you there. Our next thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. I love all this floral goodness, and I am so happy you joined me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than one million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Music